Broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline, you're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What's the Plan here on 1460 AM and uh, 101.1 FM. Today's guest, Mr. Dan Miller, and of course, the, uh, the uh, I guess, uh, talkative um, producer and co-host, Mr. Mark Carbonero. Welcome to the program, guys. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Paul. Hey, hey, let me plug my business real quick. I'm the uh, Paul Wine owner of Express Employment Professionals in Monterey County. At Express, we can help your business find great people, or we can help you find a great job. So call us today, 831-920-1857, or Google us. Probably better to do that. Just go to Google and say Express Employment Monterey and uh, or Monterey County, and we will be the first ones there. And then you can go to whatstheplan.com if you want to listen to this uh, show anytime. All the past episodes are there, and they're on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play. We have some great stories uh, Dan Miller has brought today about the city of Pacific Grove, but I, we can branch out to the nightclub needs of Monterey, the development. I, I did, uh, you know, I've got some uh, hot off the press news about the development of the land between El Torito and uh, the um, uh, Chart House and maybe maybe some Salinas news, but uh, we'll start with Dan. Dan, what do you have going on with the uh, city of PG? Well, there's an interesting one now for... Ever since the whole uh, COVID started and there was remote uh, Zooming meetings, uh, it appeared that uh, some people were getting texts during the meetings. And then after they they started live, there were texts being sent during the meetings, which is just not cool. And because anything going on, you know, if somebody's saying, hey, you need to ask this or you need to do this or whatever, uh, it needs to be part of the public process, not part of your texting back and forth. And and the thing, you know, when you talk about this, uh, Dan, it's it's kind of interesting because what you're thinking in your mind is that is probably more pernicious than what may be really happening. Because what you're thinking is that I don't know, one of the council members is texting, you know, someone who has an interest in this topic that's being, you know, uh, talked about, and then getting immediate real time feedback, and then you know, it's and and the public doesn't have an awareness of this, so. Uh, yeah, and you're supposed to know everything that goes in the th- thought process. It's uh, it, ex parte revelations, which are if I've talked to the applicant, I need to say, hey, I talked to the applicant, or he's my neighbor, he's my friend, I go to church with them. But, you know, that doesn't come into my thought process here. And you just kind of clear the air. But with this, it was something was going on. And, you know, there's various theories as to what it was, but one of it, the theories, the strongest one was that one of the council people, and again, since this isn't 100% sure, that's why we're trying to pursue some stuff to see, but one of the council members and the city manager seemed to have a push-send kind of motion, and then literally you can hear the cell phone go off or a light come on, and then the, the, the city manager or that council person read what was sent. So uh, this happened flagrantly the other night, uh, watching the meeting, seeing the city manager uh, popping out a text and send it. And there was a city 
a city council person remote and a light came on and they took looked off to the side and it looked like they were reading something. So I said, okay, something needs to be done about this. So I did public records requests for any and all texts sent by the city manager during that meeting. And in return, I got one that was sent by a city council member to him asking him if his sound was working before the meeting and then one that was from the uh the fire chief to the city manager none by the the city manager though you could see him texting during the meeting Uh so when they said no this is it i said okay let's broaden this a little bit i want every bill for the past six months of the city manager's cell phone calls, including when they were done, you know, all the stuff you get in the bill, when they were done, how long they were, what time of day they were, what date it was, and what number it was to. And um, they told me I they had records of that and they'd send them to me. And what they sent me was, uh, and remember the city pays for his bills and there's precedent saying they have to release this stuff. There's no precedent for keeping it uh, and unless it's, you know, one of those little narrow things like a personnel matter or, you know, an ongoing investigation kind of thing, they have to release it because we pay for his cell phone, among other reasons. And um, so what I got in return were the bills with every phone call redacted, every number called redacted, every date they were done, length and everything else. All I got was how much the bill was, which, by the way, he's paying twice as much as anybody else I know for the same plan. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but that seems to be the MO for the city of Pacific Grove. So uh, so I'm going to pursue it if uh, they continue to stonewall me. And, and supposedly they've claimed, I got it in writing, that the city attorney said this was all they had to give. Uh, I said the city attorney better do a little more research because it took me five minutes to find case precedent. And I gave him one of the cases. And um, and so if they're going to continue stonewalling me, I'm actually it's one of those red lines I think I've come to where I'm actually going to go uh, hire somebody that does this as their legal expertise to go after public records that are being withheld and uh, actually put out the money to see that it's followed up. Because if it's be if it in fact is being done, uh, it's very egregious. In fact, the council person should step down and the city manager should go somewhere else that he might be going soon anyway. And um, uh, things need to be straightened out because it's just unacceptable behavior. That I See, I'm glad there's citizens like you, Dan, because who else would, would notice this? Who else would dig into this? But I'm surprised actually at the bill because you would think that the two uh, text messages that they already told you about would not be redacted. So presumably yeah. they were on the bill yeah. and they should have not been redacted. Now, could they be redacted because the numbers that uh, the city manager were was uh, communicating with is a private cell phone number. And so they, they don't want you to release what? that private information. And Paul, that's absolutely fine. Don't care. So send me the bill with the, the uh, con in the context of the meeting, the day, and the time of the meeting, any calls that were made during that time, and I could then look and see, hey, he, he did only get those two calls, and I would have dropped it. Mm-hmm. But instead, and they could have not given me anything else. I, having seen him send a text during that meeting with my own eyes, it, it's just not, you know, don't then tell me that you didn't send a text during the meeting. You know, it just... Uh, but this is the arrogance uh, with which 
too many cities, this one in particular of the past few years, has have been run. Like, you know, you're you're just taxpayers, you're just citizens. Uh, you know, I don't have to answer to you. You're not my boss, even though you pay my you know, pay my way through life and very well, I don't have to answer to you. And that's the when I uh, had the Pacific Grove Press, I'd ask them questions like we have at the golf course, the per- people that there was a big, I don't know if you remember when they were talking about leasing it out to somebody for food, there was a big brouhaha because there were different factions that wanted different people. And the people that it was given to was a friend of the city managers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, now they're closed over 20 hours a week that they're obligated to be open by the lease. They're oh, obligated really? I didn't and know we that. get a percentage of everything they get during those 20 hours and they're closed during those 20 hours. And the city manager refuses to answer me and Dan Go, who's the head of the golf course and all the recreation and stuff in town, they refuse to give me any information as to why they're allowing that. And they can't allow it because the city council approved a lease and they can't usurp that lease. Mm, yeah. The current, um, yeah, that was interesting. If you, if you want to, we can, we can kind of revisit that the selection of the vendor for the, uh, Pacific Grove municipal golf course was kind of, um, was a little bit in question, but it didn't seem to, it didn't ever, ever ended up amounting to anything. So what I think, I think the idea was cause the original vendor was more of a hot dog and, um, and kind of like just coffee and beer kind of sales. And then they wanted to get something a little bit more upscale. So they went to um, a, a local restaurant tour. And I think that restaurant is gone now because they, the owner of the building that they were in leased it out for something else. But then she went on and opened a hot dog place over there by the, by the um, golf course as well. Is that correct? Yeah. She, she is co-owner of the, of the hot dog place. Plus she's in the grill, but you got to remember the people that were in the grill that most people wanted to go in there had been running the grill during COVID, and that was not easy. And uh, so when it came up, uh, they, of course, applied, and everybody said, hey, food's been fine. They've you know taken in the shorts here during COVID. They kept the place open. Let's have them in there. And then all of a sudden, here's a person that actually their, her restaurant, she, she walked out of it. And uh, she, you know, she, it wasn't, nobody was forcing her out. And she and once people started looking into there, actually, she had a history of being dinked by the state for uh, not paying certain things. And she had liens against her and everything else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Come on down and take over our our restaurant at the golf course. And we're only going to charge you a percentage. We're not going to charge you a flat fee or a flat fee against a percentage. We're just going to charge you a percentage. So if you close 20 hours a week, you're supposed to be open. The only people being heard are the city of Pacific Road that would get 20% of every dollar that came in. So right now they're getting 20% of nothing. Yeah. (laughs) So it's just, you know, not not kosher, for lack of a better word. And that the fact that the city manager and the deputy city manager who's in in charge the immediately in charge of that will refuse to give an answer as to why they're allowing that right. and how this came up is i went down there one day with my son golfing and i love the people that are running the golf course itself you know there's a pro couple of pros down there that are great and everything else all that's good and but it, we finished the first nine at five o'clock, I think it was right around five. 
And we go to go to the, the bathroom before starting the second nine. And it was locked up already because the, the restaurant was closed. Oh, geez. And it's like when you have the restaurant controlling the keys to the bathroom and they decide to close before they're legally supposed to be closing. What the heck's that? And that's yeah. when I first started asking these questions and got no reply from the city manager or uh, the uh, deputy city man- manager slash uh, head of public works. Mm. That, you know, I, I'll tell you. Oh, so Dan goes to deputy city manager. I didn't realize mm. that. Yep. I will well, tell you I that. Will I will say re- this about Lucy's on Lighthouse and the and the grill at Point Pinos. They are both very, very highly rated on Google. So they both are like 4.7, 4.6 with hundreds of reviews. But they should be open according to the contract to yeah. Dan's point. I was just going to mention that I remember when this golf course restaurant was proposed nearly 20 years ago, you know, maybe 15 years ago or so. And <clears throat> I remember talking to Nick Lombardo about it because I was doing the morning radio show here on KION at that time. And, um, and Nick called me one day and we talked about it off the air. And he said, that uh, you know, because he he'd been a golf course operator, right? He owned Rancho Cañada, yeah. and he oh, built Laguna Seca. Laguna Seca, and he built golf courses in Fresno. So the guy he really knew the market, and he knew the restaurant business as well because they have that food operation at uh, at Rancho. And and he was telling me that um, hey, Pacific Grove, you will never make any money out there with a restaurant because it's it's not downtown; it's off the beaten path. So you're not going to have people specifically going out there just to go to that restaurant. And furthermore, he said, all you need for those golfers, all they want is, you know, hamburgers, sandwiches, and hot dogs. You don't need anything fancy, and they're just wasting their money. And he said, I predict if they build a full-service restaurant there, it will never be successful, and it will be a financial headache forever. And the guy called it. I mean, he just, you know, and nobody from the city, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd express these concerns to the city council, to the mayor, to the city manager at the time. And they just all tut, tut, tut you away, you know. Well, and, and back at that time, it's funny you're saying that I would go to those council meetings and I got up and, you know, I'd majored in economics in, in school. So I kind of had a little bit of idea of figuring things out. And I went up and I had done the figures as to what they were projecting. They were projecting like the average meal was going to be nine bucks and half the people were going to eat there that played golf. So it was going to be five bucks a person. It was this astronomical number. And I said, (laughs) so I get up and I go, well, your return on investment isn't going to be good. Your figures are way out there. Most of the people playing, you know, are local people. Most of them at that time had annual memberships that paid next to nothing for and clogged up the court, uh, the course. And, uh, and of course I was totally ignored, but everything that, that I said and Lombardo said uh, has come to pass. We've had at least um, one, I think maybe two operators out there that left us in the lurch, owing us a bunch of money. One of us owed ninety, uh, the city ninety grand. Right. And city, of course, in their infinite wisdom, didn't file anything against them, and now he has two successful restaurants downtown that. Uh, you know, that's always nice to see. I'll, I'll mention uh, this to you too, Dan, is that he said to me that for most, for the most part, golf course restaurants, full service restaurant, food operations don't make money. He said, I've got that food operation at Rancho. I have to have it there because, 
you know, people expect it, but I, I lose about a quarter of a million a year on that thing. Wow. You know, but yeah. he said he was willing to do it because it was, you know, he was willing to take the hit because of the PR and everything else like that. He says, but if I had to do it over again, I would have just put a sandwich you know, a grill out there and he wouldn't have that full service restaurant. I, I have to believe that like country clubs like uh Tehama and all the, all the rest that they probably lose tons of money on their, uh, right. On their but it's just a service well. for the, but I, I do want to, you know, there's something specific about, I was, uh, by the way, you're listening to what's the plan on, uh, 101.1 FM and 1460 AM. I was talking to uh, a local restaurateur who will be here, uh, on the show next week, Mr. Kevin Phillips, the owner of, uh, four local restaurants about, uh, that exact thing. And, and he's, uh, there are certain places like remote, you know, like lover's point where you really need uh, to attract locals. Cause he's got the locals menu and things like that to be able to sustain. Cause you can't sustain on tourists alone. And he, he even contends that you can't sustain on tourism alone, even right. on fisherman's wharf, or you have to really do well in the, in the, uh, you know, make hay while the sun's shining to make it through the winter. Hey, because by, he's by like, if you're not attracting locals, then, I mean, the, the sandbar is a great example. I mean, that mm -hmm. that place is always packed and it's always locals. Yeah. But uh, Paul, go ahead, Mark. Just to, to yeah. buttress the point, the most successful restaurant that has ever been down at Lover's Point, of the three restaurants that are down there, the old tinnery, which is whatever it is that's the hard cider place now, and then you have mm -hmm. Kevin's Restaurant, but the most successful restaurant over the years, like the past 50, 60 years, has been that little hamburger hot dog stand right down there on the beach. Yeah. That place it, that place makes money every day of the year. And it just goes, to, it, you know, it just, it just drives the point home, particularly in a place like Pacific Grove. You know, something like that that's super accessible to people and is low priced is what people are looking for. Well, it's, it's about overhead, you know, and, and yeah. also professionalism. Some people, it's going to be interesting to see how, how long the people in the itinerary are going to be there because, among other things, you know, now they have approval of doing this beer festival for 3,000 people down uh -oh. there, which is just insane. <laughs> and um, uh, But Kevin Phillips. They, they've been messing with – actually, before you get on to Kevin yeah. Phillips, Daniel, uh, they've been messing with their schedule there, and they're offering like two-for-one pizzas on Wednesday nights for locals and stuff. But they, they do seem to – their hours are kind of uh, – they're kind of a little touch and go at that seltzer place mm -hmm. lately. I don't well, know what's going on, but yeah. Well, and, and they also have the yogurt place there that people are saying almost looks like it's closed already. That's Jeez. part of their operation. Jeez. And, but uh, I'm saying people are saying, I'm not saying it's it a is. beautiful venue. I mean, it, oh, yeah, it's it a is. beautiful venue. I would, I would hope that no wish them nothing but success on that one. But, but the, yeah. their rent from what was being asked was just astronomical. Yeah. And you, you know, when it's not good, when, Kevin, who's across the street, didn't go over and grab it, you know, because Kevin <laughs> Phillips, if Kevin Phillips says it's, it's not a good idea, it's kind of like Nick Lombardo. You look at their history, what, they're about, <laughs> what their experience is. If Kevin Phillips told me, Dan, don't do that, and it had to do with food and restaurants, I'd run the other way. Well, I, you know, to your point, Daniel, he is very brilliant. And I'm like, because I was talking to him last night, I, you know, he'll be here next week. So I don't And I go, well, I go, why would you want a fifth restaurant? I go, well, you know, if it worked itself out, I'm looking at a couple places. He said, and I was like, really? <laughs> so it's, I'll, I'll find out next week. What are you looking at, Kevin? But he was talking about scales, um, which is across the uh, way from Avalanetti, 
uh, on Fisherman's Wharf. And he said the day that restaurant closed, he's like, they're not going to get another tenant in there. It's yeah. too big. And he's like, it's too big. And he he contends that the Fisherman's Wharf is kind of a zero-sum game. It, it increases slightly over time. But basically, you've got a number of a fixed number of hungry stomachs that go onto that thing right. on a daily basis. Hey. And it's not going to increase or decrease by much. Back um, in the wintertime. Back in the wintertime, we were hearing and reading stories in the local press about the San Pedro Fresh Fish Market, this, you know, fish restaurant from Southern California. They have got like three or four locations down there, and it's kind of mid-upper, you know, scale type of thing, but it's very trendy and hip, and they were looking at taking over scales and and you know we were reading the stories in the paper of the guys oh this is such a great location yeah we really want to oh, be they're, here they're doing their due diligence right yeah. now mark but, and but, it, but, the fact that they're just sitting on that due diligence kind of probably tells the story well but but it's been months and i'm just wondering if these guys didn't get cold feet because just the cost to put all the restaurant equipment back in there and are you actually going to do the business to make that thing pay i mean it's just i don't know it's and, and you know what the, Right now, summer is not looking like the usual summer. You, no. I go when I go out driving; it's almost COVID traffic, and this is the middle of summer, for right. goodness' sake. So, and there's stories up in San Francisco in the papers about Monterey and how slow it is and stuff. Uh, it, well, this is the Fourth of July weekend, Daniel. Yeah. So maybe this particular weekend we'll, we'll see. Busy, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. but you know, yeah. normally, normally, well, I, Paul, oh, normally, ahead, Paul, yeah. the like I go down to Cannery Row almost every day, and this week I've been down there like three times, and I've been able to find parking like at two o'clock in the afternoon on the street. Now, normally, wow. a normal summertime, uh, you can't get any parking on the street on Cannery Row, you might have to circle the block for an hour before somebody gets in their car and leaves. There were three or four or five spots open up and down the street. I look at that and I go, oh, I don't think there's a lot of people in Monterey today. Well, yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. I was at, uh, there was a ribbon cutting at Mondo's. So this is interesting. Mondo's moved from the building that's going to be a hotel across from the Pacific Grove Library and they're on Lighthouse now in Monterey. Yes. Near, they're near like Pelican Pizza and mm-hmm. they're across the street from the Goodwill. Great food, great. Uh, it was great ribbon cutting. I tell you what, there, there's, uh, it's phenomenal. So um, that I just want to first say, go to Mondo's, great place to eat. Secondly, do you guys know what the status is? So they've moved from that building. I don't know exactly what the name of that building is, but the one across from the Pacific Grove Library. Are they going to build that hotel, or do you, would you rather talk about DEI, Dan? What do you think? Well, just real quick, I heard about two months ago. Uh, supposedly one of the principals told someone I know that it, uh, they were going to break ground within 60 days. And we've heard this at least 60 times. <laughs> so, uh, and now we're at about the 60th day and I don't see anything happening. Yeah. And if you start looking at the numbers right now, you talk about penning stuff out and, and they're a reputable guy. I think it's a Kimpton hotel or a derivative thereof. And so uh, we'll see what happens, but the city's banking on that and the ATC coming to fruition Uh-oh. and if neither of them don't uh this city's going to be in a world of hurt financially the only they're thing they're going to miss out on those that they're going to wish they hadn't done the str ban but anyway yeah well you know we'll see strs are it's funny you brought that up because that's a whole other story there's airbnb is losing 50 percent of their rentals in a lot of cities like austin and stuff right? well they're they're predicting okay so last week we talked i think it was it was last week or the week before we were talking about that 15% tax on Airbnbs that's being proposed, uh, which is kind of, it was supposed to pay for low-income housing and all this. Well, I, 
don't necessarily want to talk about that, but a lot of the real estate uh, folks or the real estate news that I'm reading about is expecting a huge uh, foreclosure, kind of a 2008 kind of foreclosure thing on people who speculatively bought investment properties to turn them into Airbnbs. Have you a heard million, that as well? A million Airbnbs. Wow. There's a million. So imagine if half those end up closing because nobody's going to them. You know, I just went up to Yosemite and you could get Airbnbs from here to there and back again. My kids, you know, want to pull and, you know, Holiday in, you know, trademark kind of thing. But I'll tell you what, I could have stayed at an Airbnb real nice one for a third of the cost of a Holiday Inn. Well, the, the problem with Airbnbs is if you have someone that's allergic to cats, say, yeah. you, get, you always get something weird like that, or there's always some weird rule about, oh, put the key here, you got to take the trash out on Tuesdays, or you got to yeah. make sure if you <laughs> bring your own bad. linens, and if you don't bring your own linens, you got to pay 50 extra dollars, and it's like... <laughs> Uh, forget it. Clean. At the end of the day, unless you're staying at Mark's Airbnb, Mark's, I guess they've got, there's a little deluxe and they take care of you. But mm -hmm. uh, we do. There you go. <laughs> well, DEI, Dan, so so uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, $300,000 in the city of Pacific Grove. Um, what do you think? You know, it, uh, this is like a tipping point, I think, that people are going to start actually looking at it. What do you get for your money? You get Five people that don't live in town that have nothing, no idea what Pacific Grove is about. A couple of them are Berkeley educated. In fact, I think the group's uh, primary office is in Berkeley. And this is the cottage industry they started half a dozen years ago to go around and make tons and tons of money. Uh, I think Al, Al Sharpton is the uh, Ponce de Leon yeah. of that that whole uh, expedition. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might as well be. And that's the insanity of it. We need to get back to where things are complaint driven. So if somebody does something that is anti-DEI, then you make a complaint to the city and it's dealt with. But this concept that you go in to find problems that don't exist in the eyes of most people and tell us a problem because it's in your eyes that it's a problem, your eyes that are coming from an education at UC Berkeley. You know, it's like Dan Miller's education from Pacific Grove High and Monterey Peninsula College, I think, are just as good saying what is good and not and what is proper and not in the city of Pacific Grove as a guy that was educated at Berkeley who possibly has never set foot here. Well, I do. And I do hope you run for cross country now. Where I'm hoping you run for city council again, Dan, or for the uh, Monterey Peninsula College Board. One of those got to be for you. Let's shift gears a little bit. We're kind of all over the map on this, this show, but who cares? We're always that way. Have you guys read the story in the Pinecone about Mon? Uh, maybe you went to the city hall meeting. Monterey City Council approved a plan for 3,600 houses. Um, some of those are actually on. Uh, Fort Ord and uh, Ryan's Ranch and places like that and on Garden Road. Did you, you guys, Mark, did you read about it? I, I saw a little bit about that, but what I thought that was more interesting the other day was, and it's is part of the housing element, was uh, there was an interesting story in the in the San Francisco Chronicle, sfgate.com, about the Del Monte Shopping Center and how it is held up over time architecturally, how unique it is. It is one oh, of the yeah, only, I read that as well. Yeah, yeah, one of the only large outdoor shopping centers, you know, that's not an enclosed mall. And they were talking about other uses at the mall 
call and there was a there was a line in there from Kim Cole, one of the city planners in Monterey, that one of the ways that Monterey thinks about wanting to meet their housing goals is to use some of the parking lots at uh, Del Monte Shopping Center for housing. So then that begs the question, have they run this by the people that own the Del Monte Shopping Center? Yeah. If, if they <laughs> have... Now, Christmas going to look like out there parking. Exactly. Like, it fills up. Yeah. Or, yeah. or does Del Monte Shopping Center look at it and say, well, hey, that means that, like, let's yeah. say that we, you know, 500 people... Despite... 500 people, wait loves, a minute. Loves Del Monte Shopping yeah. Center, by the but, way. But I do want to, I want to say this about it. It's a lot like the, it's like a little a smaller version of the Thousand Oaks. If you've ever been to Thousand Oaks, they have a shopping center. It's very much like Del Monte, but, but it's cold in Monterey. So the outdoor yeah. flavor of it kind of doesn't work as well because it's, a lot of times when you're standing outside, you're cold here. And uh, But it's a beautiful shopping center. I, yeah. I do like but, the mid-century modern design. But, but I'm just thinking that they might you know, decide to want to have the housing there because it means they got 500 potential customers, you know, that live on the site that are there all the time. Yeah, that would help. But we'll see how the whole housing thing plays out. Having just drove to Yosemite, as I was driving through Los Banos, I said, why the heck aren't they putting thousands and thousands and thousands of units out here? (laughs) It clicked that the whole idea behind this stuff, and stick with me here, that the reason behind this is the houses that are built in Pacific Grove, Carmel, uh, Monterey, are so expensive. The property tax that the state gets as compared to the property tax of a house that they make you build in Dos Palos or Atwater is so off the charts, they want us to be building the houses to increase the money coming into the coffers of the state. I, I like the conspiracy theory nature of that, Dan. I'm not sure. <laughs> hey, I'm Frank not sure I singing. totally agree with it, but it's pretty cool. I, I can't hear Frank Sinatra. Oh, you can't hear? Okay, well, Frank's but, singing, uh, and we got to get out of here. And uh, All right. So I, I, I just want to see 90% of the people at Del Monte Park in the Trader Joe's Park, or the Whole Foods parking lot anyway. But I'm Paul Lyon, owner of Express Employment Professionals of Monterey County. Give us a call today, 831-920-1857, or find us on the web at Express Employment Monterey County. Thank you, Mark and Dan. You guys always bring it. Love you guys. Take care.